Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast. I am today's host, Helen Gould, and with me I have... Ben Meredith, Bryn Monroe, Lydia Nicholas, and Helen Gould. (laughs) (laughs) I defy Helen, why did you invite this guy on? Oh, sorry, Helen, we actually recast you. Hello, yes. Uh, I'm I'm Alex, force of habit, it's fine. (laughs) Fine. That makes it sound like you say my name along with me. <laughs> uh, I have a whole life you don't know about, Helen, but you really should. You really, really should. <laughs> well, speaking of boundaries... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Best segue ever. Flawless. Mm. So today, as I presume you will know from the title... We are going to talk about relationships in our gaming podcast because it turns out that since I came on, the the relationship content has gone skyrocketing up. <laughs> so um, we decided we should probably talk about it. Also, several people have asked us things, so we may as well make it actual <laughs> stuff you can listen to. <laughs> uh, that's my introduction to the content. show. Content. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine questions. We're going to see if we can get through them all. So short and snappy, everybody. None of us have a tendency to ramble. Um, So this should be easy. This is a question for us all in general. And it goes like this. Uh, Do you discuss in advance where a relationship might go or who slash what they might be into? Do we talk off screen about the direction we want to take in relationships or do we just go with whatever happens in role play? And I mean, any of us can answer that because it's just... (laughs) Combination of both. It's very, very deeply contextual. I'll confess, I was a little bit 
unprepared for the uh, Zolf-Wild combination. I should have been a bit more prepared. It came about very naturally, and that's one where it came about, from my perspective, it came out initially through RP, and then I was like, we should talk about yeah, this. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It was like a natural, oh yeah, these these two have been like in the campaign and had a enemies to lovers arc. So yeah. when we got like two-thirds <laughs> of on that arc, we're like, is this where it's going? Let's have a chat about where we're comfortable letting it go. Yeah, because I, I admit, for that one, I just... I You know what I did? I did the awful, they're just good friends thing in my head, and then went, of course they're not... <laughs> Come on! How old are you, Alex? Are you 12? Come on! It's the kind of thing that, like, we can all see ourselves doing for ourselves, like, yeah. where you don't realise that you're flirting with someone mm. until... Like, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, wait. That's exactly how it felt. That is exactly how it felt. It has happened in real life several (laughs) times where I've been like, oh, oh, wait, are we going out for drinks or are we going out for drinks? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the second that I was aware there was a thing, I I think we did trigger into, okay, we should, you know, start to actually like, not plot, that's very, very different, Mm. but start to be like, okay, cool, what are we like interested in telling the story? What are we not? What are the boundaries here? What? what is on and off the cards that kind of thing but it was only after that sort of had already started a little bit i would say we do very limited planning because that makes it sound like mm. you're kind of sketching out a direction and what yeah. we do is it, you know when that one it sort of caught people by surprise a bit but certainly alex has at appropriate points in the the storyline just been what are people open to yeah in in the next 20 to 30 episodes like and so the 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 pre thing the pre kind of happening stuff is about establishing boundaries and interest and Mm. then once something starts to happen through role play we then do discuss out of character once it's begun a bit so it's not it's it's you know we don't it's sort of a the the planning happens in real time it's very like dating app kind of thing right (laughs) where there is a bit of like this is my settings for like what i want to see and then there's like does the chemistry actually emerge yeah then somewhere along that journey once chemistry has been established and the the practicalities of remember in this situation you're on a dating app while also trying to save the world um (laughs) so you are busy like while the practicalities and the chemistry are being established, you then have to at some point, although personally I avoid that usually uh, far too long, um, but uh, you you then have a conversation about, so is this a thing? And, yeah, you know, exactly if so what, what do we want? It's, it's, it's that art. Yeah, yeah. It's also one of those things where you might personally think to yourself, huh, I think there could be something here. Let me role play it a bit. And if it doesn't go that way, then that's fine. Like, yeah. 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 Like when Kiko was introduced... I was like, interesting, but I didn't think I am definitely going to romance this person. I think I was still thinking about Barnes at the time. <laughs> no. And I was just like, ah, two potentials. Yeah. But that's that's the th- worth mentioning as well, is that kind of temperature check that Bryn was talking about. Yeah. Is, that happened prior to the airship. Is the airship, it was like, look, there's going to be an airship arc <laughs> and we're going to be traveling for a while. What do people want in that? And there were a few things around there where someone was like, you know what? A murder mystery could be fun, you know, murder on the Orient <laughs> Express style, but an airship or this could be fun or that could be fun. But the one thing that I got from everyone was more relationship based stuff. Like we're not had the opportunity yeah. to yeah. be to have any kind of longevity with an NPC around. And there's not much compatibility for non NPC based relationships within this group. So as a result, it 
kind of felt like everyone was pushing in that direction. And then once we brought it up, everyone was like, yes, and yes. Interesting, I would say I, you know, I declared Hammered to be open to the possi- those possibilities from super early in the podcast. I remember yeah. I've having mentioned it, you know, to some point to Alex, you know, in the first dozen episodes, again, in the, you know, in the sort of the 30s, that it was something I'd be interested in role playing through for Hammered. But Hammond's never really found the chemistry with any NPCs, and that happens. No. It, so it hasn't happened, and that's fine. But well, it's why you had the date with Who's It's in Paris, yeah, because right? that Mad was like, yeah. oh, well, an opportunity for a romance, and it just yeah. didn't pan out. Didn't really work out. That's okay. But like you know, I think Lids. I love Lids' dating app metaphor because it's yeah, Hammond <laughs> yeah. has been open and available, and potentially even looking, but just hasn't matched, and that's fine. That happens. With that in mind, there is a specific question here. Which is, if Hammond's date with Madeline had gone well, would she have ended up part of the party? What do you reckon? I can answer that in that it defines how you define party. Mm. It's not like there would have been a fifth member kicking around at all times, but I think certainly there would. I would have engineered opportunities for her to keep reoccurring in a way that could help things progress. I can definitely tell you, even if Alex won't admit it to himself, uh, she wouldn't have joined the party on their travels. What it would have meant is there'd be another emotional hook that Hamid <laughs> left behind in Paris <laughs> that Alex would have used to put me through more torture. No, no, no. You want to know what that arc would have been? Because I have a pretty clear idea, to be honest, is that I've had Madeleine disappear for a while and then come back very intimidatingly capable and see if Bryn could handle the not Bryn sorry see if Hamid could handle the dynamic <laughs> shift mm. because that date that first date was a little bit like oh I've been doing all these massive things and I was like wow okay fair play I'd be really interested in coming back and going what have you been up to I've done this and this and Madeline being like cool I've done this 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 <laughs> nice, I'm still nice. super into you let's go and watch Hamid just be like there is a shift happening here but like, that's what leaps out to me as an opportunity, as an example. But it wouldn't have been just Madeline around the whole time. Look, you've used every other character that Hammond has ever had an emotional connection to to inflict horrible experiences. But that's on why him. I wouldn't I on this one, because Hamid's stuff has been so... <laughs> I think it's actually one of the reasons there's been a paucity of, like, <laughs> dating options for Hamid, I guess, is a lot of Hamid's story arc has been family-based. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, if you actually dig into the core, like... Again, like Inside Out styles, a lot of the core memory side of Hamid is a lot of family-based stuff. So that sort of precludes a lot of that. And it can be, it, it can run very false if you start pushing that kind of thing, especially in the invite, the like family stuff that Hamid's been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Like those opportunities are not very compatible for Hamid, unfortunately, up to the point where most of the human race was not on the cards. Well, human race, any any uh, sure, sentient species. Sure. It's, it's the kind of thing that we are doing a podcast which moves quite fast. So the mm. you can't be running too many emotional arcs at once. Yeah. Like, obviously, mm, we're not mm. doing just one thing at once because we are multiple people. Alex is keeping track of lots of things in, in his head about what's, like what our arcs might be, but we've also got kind of, you know, like Zolf has relationships with as a relationship sort of journey with uh with wild and a relationship journey with hamid and he's working through the loss of sasha and all those sorts of like you've got loads of character arcs going on at once but there are some things where like you can't have two major ones that's or like you can't have <laughs> I, alex said it already better than i did there there's you know no no i know too what you much mean. at once could just be like i'm now going to have a mental shutdown day 
well it's also it's also a symptom of the medium where it's like mm, if yeah. this was mm. if i had like thought you know what i'm gonna write a book about these characters going on mm. this kind of blah 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 there would have been loads of that kind of thing yeah. but it's not we're following a story of a bunch of professional murderers <laughs> traveling the world cell still has not killed i think anyone who wasn't a zombie but here's the thing I would still class this as a professional murder group. It just is. I'm sorry. In terms of like how it operates, it is an international murder carnival, which is fine. Like that's grand, but it's very difficult to make any kind of relationship stick when that's kicking around. Mm. Um, So as a result, it's it's just there's just not that much chance. Well, it's the other thing as well of like because we have a sort of globe-trotting, pulpy adventure, mm. Mm. pulpy adventure um, <laughs> podcast, Like, unless you add to a growing caravan of NPCs, yeah. which we kind of did with the ship, but <laughs> if you have too many relationships, you will, yeah, you, will, you will grind the... Like, because you'll anchor it too much mm. to a location. Situation, especially because this is a universe in which you can't just, like, have a phone call or go on the internet, yeah. which you could yeah. run in a more modern setting of like having a correspondence. But with this, yeah. it's like telepathy and sending, which is much more of a big deal than, you know, just having a chat. Yeah. Yeah. And also, let's be honest, let's take a moment here and consider. Let's say that every single member of the party got into a long term relationship, okay? Not with each other. I personally am now sustaining four long term relationships <laughs> on top of. <laughs> All of the actual I mean, like, Alex, mechanical requirements of the of NPC. That, yeah, and Grizzop also had that. It just didn't come up. So he was maintaining a relationship just in the background. But all I'm getting at here is that the kind of screen time, and more craft-based rather than like life-based, which is the amount of screen time required for it to be relationship rather than just yeah. a a stake. Hmm. It's, it's the problem with the action movie. Oh, no, they've taken my wife who I've never mentioned before now, <laughs> and I have, have literally had no screen time with. And if you were to put her in front of you, you wouldn't recognise her as my wife, because we've spent no screen time. But look, a picture, so you know the stakes are high. That's how it comes across, unless you actually have proper, dedicated time. And like Ben says, that kind of grinds it to a halt. So it it's one of those oddities where RPG for performance versus RPG for play wildly different i think yeah. there would have been a so much more if this was just a, a game amongst friends a lot more ben this isn't technically a question that's been written down but i'm pretty sure that all the fans ears just perked up when you said grizzop did have a relationship mm-hmm. what do you want to ah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, I mean, because obviously uh, he's he's long, long dead, millennia dead. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, because the the um, the message he sent, the letter he sent when he sent all of that money back was to mm-hmm. Vesik because him and Vesik had effectively adopted a clutch in Berlin and while he was out adventuring, he was sending the money back to Vesik, oh. which so is why... Co- co-parents, effectively. Yeah, which is why... Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Vesik was the one who was kidnapped and why Grizzop was, you know, very upset not to do it and then did and died. Thanks, Azu and Hamid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 why? <laughs> but yeah, lies, no. so, so, lies. So that's the whole thing. Uh, it's like, yeah, that, that was the long-term relationship. 
Mm. And it just it just didn't have a chance to come up because the time that it was going to happen, obviously Grizzop mucked up the role and, and disappeared. <laughs> Literally. And like, because we were starting to lay the groundwork for that in terms of like that stuff at the campfire yeah. and with the messages and so on. If Grizzop had been handing around, there'd have been a little more examination of that. But yeah, I suppose canonically speaking then, there is a... Grizzop clutch in the world mm-hmm. yeah. um, with physique still kicking around. Well, obviously. also, I'd just like to point out, Alex, you just poo-pooed the whole action movie cliche of someone's been kidnapped, look at the picture, oh, now you know it's <laughs> my wife's lower stakes. That's literally, <laughs> that's literally what happened. Grizzop did. <laughs> yeah. that's and that's the problem 100%. with Grizzop dying, yeah? Because what I was going to do is have a nice, long examination of that after the fact and be like, who's this person? Oh, look about that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to look at the face of God. <laughs> Welcome to the medium. Never ever, if you ever want to create anything of beauty, do an RPG. Yeah, it it got messy. Thanks for that, though. It will exist and it will be a thing, but it will never be what you plan. Yeah, and that's okay. Thanks, Ben, because I legitimately didn't know any of that. Yeah, oh, that's news. That's absolutely ne- news to it me. It never got the chance to come off, and it was stuff that me and Ben had discussed. It's a good example of a narrative cul-de-sac, where it's like because of the way the pieces fell, there's just no way to explore that properly without completely bending everything else out of shape to accommodate it. There's quite a lot of them in gaming, but they're quite disguised if you're not on the inside looking out. I thought the big mystery for Sasha was who her parents are, but Mm. never found that out. I Yeah, I know people have wondered and speculated, but it sort of didn't become a plot point, even though it was an open mystery. You know, I I wrote that in as like, oh, that's a nice hook. And I yeah. do, like the way Alex is looking, it's like that might still come up, but like, <laughs> or at least is not willing to like let that. Go. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I specifically write backstories with a lot of open things that are mysteries to the characters. Uh, so I, I can't yeah. discuss that until the series finishes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But. We definitely should when it does. I, I would say from from what's in text, it definitely feels like you know the like meeting Eldarion. We kind of felt a little bit like obviously she's not mm. uh, your uh, Sasha's. Yeah, like, there was. Parents, I'm but... sure supposed to be loads of plot dump or exposition, <laughs> and <laughs> Sasha was like, no. But I think we got no. enough of a vibe for it to be satisfying yeah. without having to be like, yeah. let's have a conversation about specifics. I would say there was no. There was a version where Eldarion was still kicking around after the fact. That wasn't a script. That wasn't like Mm. a computer game scripted. This character is never going to make it, no matter what a telltale decision Mm. you make. Like there was a version where Eldarion could have been kicking around, but yeah, it didn't didn't happen. Would have been hilarious. Eldarion was kicking around, but Sasha wasn't. (laughs) Well, take a moment and consider it. I'd have definitely made a big whole rivalry thing in the background between Einstein and Eldarion, because they're both long-distance travel people who have completely different approaches to life. But stuff doesn't come off. Okay, That's that's the enemies to friends thing that we'll never see. Absolutely, exactly. (laughs) Well, Lid, do you mind if we stick with you a little bit and... um, So the question is written is what led to Liz's decisions not to have romance for Sasha versus Cell being very up for romantic encounters, mm-hmm. especially because Cell had like past relationships, which isn't mm-hmm. very common in TTRPGs. And I think like you have answered both of those questions separately, but not in like a comparative. It really comes down to I was the only female presenting person in a group of blokes and uh, I had done quite a lot of improv previously looking for groups after Fat Kitten had broken up and working with groups where I had some quite bad experiences Mm. about being pushed to do like 
roles where you're either the mother, the love interest, or a sex worker, and Ugh. none of those like getting particular respect. Like that's what I say. I don't think that be, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a mother, a love interest, or a sex worker. But I don't want those to be the only rules up for me, and particularly not when they when they are all treated with disrespect. Mm-hmm. So that was just exhausting in a few groups. And so I specifically at the beginning made that a rule. Partly, yeah, I just I just didn't want to it like so we say that everyone was friends, but I I didn't know Ben or Alex really before no. it started. And when I had worked with Bryn and James before, it had been in a group that was very deliberately 50-50 yeah, yeah. male female with um gender non-conforming and and queer identities within that. But like it was very it was it was trying to be balanced. It wasn't even about not trusting. It was about having, I just I just didn't want to deal with that, yeah, having absolutely. had a bunch of bad experiences. Yeah. It also, as I went through, so I think I've said before, like I see very much, I don't think of myself as a very good actor. So I have to have like characters be versions of stuff that I can imagine for myself or versions of myself. Like I have so much respect, particularly for like, Ben's way of creating characters from yeah. like a core impulse, and then like, well, f- and they they have nothing to do with Ben who creates he is. characters based entirely on what is the way he can next assault my vision. <laughs> Pretty much, but like, it's it's just it's so cool and it's so different from how I have ever done any kind of performance, let alone improv. Because yeah, so I I I couldn't work. I don't know if I have that capability to that kind of level of like theory of mind to imagine what would a person who thinks mainly about these are their two priorities and everything else is around and build a whole person and then imagine what they could do. So I, I saw Sasha as quite young and quite traumatised and also quite busy. <laughs> um, and so it felt like anything that would work for her would not work for the podcast format like yeah she needed time um Mm. she needed Mm. things to kind of build up from awkward jokes and smiles and like showing off in front of one another and gradually feeling safe like Mm. so i thought and and that didn't fit with the kind of world and experiences that she was having right then i never saw her as asexual even though I wasn't going to do relationships on screen. But yeah, I don't, I don't kind of, I don't think it's, there's any value in the moment of of like canonizing what her sexuality is or in what form it like might take. And me saying, oh, she would need things to build up slowly over time. also doesn't mean that I necessarily saw her as like demisexual or how some people kind of construct that because that was a situational thing. You know, she'd lost yeah, a lot of yeah. trust and so needed to rebuild that, whether that was something inherent to her or something that would last a lifetime. I don't know, you know, because mm. it could be that having chilled out for a while and seen the kids grow up, maybe she'd be like be in a completely different headspace. Um, so all of those things, I think, like whatever works for your headspace kind of work. Yeah. Um, and with Cell, I having done Sasha, who was kind of quite, traumatised and was working through things for the first time, I had started doing quite a lot of work in 
like researching care and how society manages networks of care. And I just, I was just really interested in the idea of having someone that had a, a big, long past full of different kinds of relationships, not all of which have an immediate bearing on what they're doing at any one moment. You know, it's not relevant to a lot of what they're doing that they might have had this like ex-fiance or that like late husband or, you know, all sorts of different connections and lots of regrets about family and culture and and things. And and like loads of it built up in my head about uh, how their their life would have been in the different places they've been and, and what they've done. But it amuses me that whatever they're going through at any particular point may not be, it's not the most dramatic thing that's happened to sell. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, we're seeing this enormous beast. I mean... Well, yeah, I always, probably top five beasts I've seen, you know? But I always think of them in slightly different terms. Sasha mm. was a knife that was honed by her past. Yeah. Cell is more strated. Yeah. And yeah. that's a very different approach yeah. for both of them, which wasn't accidental on your part. And it leads to a. It means that as a GM, you engage with it very differently. Very, very differently. They are. And I, I can imagine that it would be the sort of thing where if. A, a relative or a, a chunk from the past of cells, say, had been taken and kidnapped in the way that, you know, the other party members were in Rome. They are old and they've got complicated relationships. They think a lot about what, you know, a personal sacrifice might mean compared to what you do for a community. And they might well say, we need to get on with saving the world. They, they might have been very much more on Grizzop's kind of side there. Mm. It would have been it would have been very different, not because they don't care, but because like it's like the difference between the sort of love that you fall in at 30 and the sort of love you fall in at 15. Like they're not less love, but like it manifests differently. Exactly. There's yeah. a, there's and it's not even that and they might be less intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also very, very quickly, because uh, I will not let a compliment go unreciprocated, I would say that your real skill lid in basically exa- like everything you've been talking about is your real skill. You've got like an incredible eye for detail and nuance within yeah. like, yes. the backstories that you create and the characters you create, even if they are aspects of yourself, as you say, like there's so much going on. There's lots of parts of being a good actor and you are definitely a good actor and your ability to convey emotion and complexity and nuance, as Ben said, are all outstanding. So, meh. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> I think they've, they've been some, like, the fact we've all got very different performance styles. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It just, it means that it's sometimes, it's it's often just such a joy because, like, you know that whatever you throw out there, one of the others is going to kind of pick up and do something completely different with it. Yeah. Like... Sometimes people's reactions to what is going on, what another person throws out, I'm just like, how, why, what, that doesn't make any sense. And then I realise that, like, you're thinking about characters and how they mm. act in the world and how you move through the story in, like, different ways. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's a joy and an honour working with all of you. Yay. Aww. Aww. On that lovely Gross! <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a gross and disgusting break. <laughs> 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 Are very nice to each other for 30 seconds. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to the Relationship Metacast. Right, I'm going to go back to a more general question because um, I know my answer, but I'm interested to see other people's answers, which is, um, does your own identity and experience influence the in-game relationships that you have? Or do you try to keep it super, super separate because it would be weird, basically? If I may, I'd, I'd quite like to jump in on this one from an odd perspective. Yeah, because we have relationship, all of us have relationships with you. So tell us about that. <laughs> so this aspect of the game is probably the thing I struggle with most. And it's gonna. this is going to make people laugh, but it's true, which is, I am a married man. Yes. I am wildly, wildly inexperienced when it comes to relationships and dating. I think I've been on a date in my life. Like... With, with Hannah, like we started to get together, and I went, "Can can I can I be your boyfriend?" Oh, <laughs> At which point Hannah says, "Yeah, that would be nice." And I went, "Great, that's really good." <laughs> and then we were boyfriend and girlfriend, and I asked that at twenty-five. <laughs> like t- this is how you do it at age twelve. I'm I'm wildly inexperienced, like wildly wildly inexperienced on this aspect of basically like life. Mm. Don't get me wrong, this isn't me hankering for things I haven't had at all. But what that means is there's an enormous amount of nuance that's required in terms of engaging with these elements of relationships that from a gm perspective require me to wear a lot of hats i have literally no touchstone for whatsoever Mm. so it comes down to do you research that do you ask people that you know like good example that will make lydia laugh is the the, barnes line the barnes the barnes freezing was you not barnes yeah (laughs) i was freezing and it was like okay thank goodness it makes sense that barnes would also freeze but that was alex just going Give me a second while I check my human interaction directory. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely okay, felt cool. No one has bad. ever flirted with me in my entire life. I, <laughs> what? I don't know what to do with this. It was I, so I felt like I should have warned you before. No, so no, that no, potentially no. you could have had Barnes be like, hey, your skin doesn't look that bad on you as well. Wait, shit. But, <laughs> but, my, but this is a good example of my point where it's like um, my relationships in my life do where it's like I have a much better in in terms of an examination of the family side I come from a pretty large like robust clan with a lot of different like elements at play so it makes the Hamid side of things much easier for me because it's like cool great yeah I, I know family politics and da 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 but yeah when it comes to the romantic side I'm wildly inexperienced so I think it's the one I've misstepped most often and it's certainly the one where I've flown a little bit by the seat of my pants as I guess how people do this. I don't think you've misstepped at all and I think that you have a really good... Like just from my knowledge of you as a person, I think you've got a really good twin set of a strong sense of what I would call empathy, which is that I feel like you can think, well, if this, if these things are important to this person, this is how they would react. And uh, also yeah, a really good sense you care, of narrative yeah. and story yeah. beats. <laughs> so i think i think it works out for you (laughs) but that that narrative and story piece is a good point where it's like oh i can tell you what makes sense for a story in relation that's fine (laughs) no worries but the second that anyone comes at me with something vaguely like organic and baked in the moment as opposed to a you know scripted line i'm a little bit thrown but there's a reason why those exist 
why those um, that knowledge of romantic story beats exist because they do happen. Obviously, in real life, everything is so much more messy than anything we can do, even in a TTRPG, which is already yeah. so messy. I was terrified playing Kiko the whole time. Oh, honey! Oh. <laughs> I don't know what a date is. You're like, uh, you was like, oh, Kiko, I'll take you on a date. What's a date? It was perfect. Dates, though. dates have food and fun. <laughs> I think. Play chess by marbles, that's it. Play, play chess by marbles. <laughs> that is an Alex bona fide date. Play chess by marbles. Like, <laughs> I'm also interested, Bryn, in your response to this because you started out wanting Hamid to be a playboy and then abandoned oh, it so yeah. fast. I mean, but... So, like, what? And you're not a playboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so, truly, this is... I mean, I have now been playing rpgs pretty regularly for closer to 25 years than 20 and i have played so many characters over that time period and uh some for long periods some for short periods but also you know i i love it one of the things i love it is getting to explore different characters and different character arcs and different and so every character i create you know is a different level of similarity to me so i think that there's there's essentially there's something very true to what lid says about you have to take at least a little bit of yourself into any given character i think I but agree. for me it's you know every character that's a kind of a different calculation of how much of myself do i bring into them and what aspect and so you know i've played a lot of character in my life that are scientists and have you know an attitude to science that's roughly similar to mine and uh, you know so in terms of my own identity experience, uh, for Hamid and his attitude to relationships, I would say that is probably the way that Hamid is most similar to me. And that's the bit of myself, mm. apart from a slightly privileged, though not nearly as privileged as Hamid background. You know, that is a bit that for Hamid I brought in from myself very much so. So I'd say Hamid's attitude and decisions in relationships and to, to the relationships he has do mirror my own pretty closely but that's not like a principle that I stick to it's just that happened with this specific character and you know other characters and you know it, well, it's weird because I've now been playing Hamid six years and obviously you know he's changed a lot in that time and I've changed a, quite a bit too I would say <laughs> but uh yeah and but I think there's the other aspect to that which is feeding therefore especially if you do if you do make that choice to to take those relationships perspective of your own is not feeding back interactions the character has to yourself so you know obviously there's mm. been so much antagonism between me and ben at times and at times our characters have got on very well yeah. but it's very been very important to both of us that that hasn't fed into our real life relationship and you know i've become you know i would say at least from my perspective me and ben have become very good friends over the last six years and i'm putting him on the spot now so you can't really contradict that <laughs> even though he's shaking his head in the video call and I'm, I'm pretending not to see but yeah so you know i haven't wanted that and so there have been after some of the most tense episodes there have been little just little check-ins between the two of us to mm. check that we're both feeling okay about it and we are uh, but i would say that you know i didn't know you helen when you joined the podcast but i would say that um, hamid and azu's friendship has helped me feel like much better friends with you and i think that would have oh. happened anyway because yeah. of, like i said of the, the way i've become friends with ben after not knowing him six years ago but weirdly you know when it's a positive thing like that 
it's not a problem if you let it feed into your real life yeah. relationship a bit too. I also think that um, not only are our characters quite similar in sort of their love languages and stuff, yeah. but also you and I, our improv styles are kind of similar, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's probably I fair. Think. Because like I rarely go into any situation thinking... Unless I have been pre-warned, unless I have an idea, okay, this is going to be tense or this is going to take care. I rarely have any idea what Azu is going to say or do or react to. Yeah. And I suspect, though you always have a plan in terms of combat, I think that you also are quite fluid in your role playing. Oh, yeah, I would hope so. I try to be. (laughs) Yeah. Ben, I also want to ask you about this because we've said that Zolf and Grizzop are like such strong characters like by themselves i want to obviously apply the same question to you but also like probably we should talk a bit more about zolf and wild Mm. too do you have any of your experiences in these characters because they seem so like full and real uh i I don't know it's not something that i've (laughs) but like in in a in a genuine way i've not like really properly sat down and planned it out you know that's mm. that's an aspect yeah. of them that i've just kind of felt it out yeah you know obviously uh broadly they they do not have my identity as a <laughs> cisgender heterosexual man yeah but yeah i mean i, I don't know to be honest mm. i don't really have have a, a nice succinct answer it's just um playing through the characters and feeling out what's right at the time yeah i think that's super super valid too like just to be clear like i we all know each other but just to be completely there are no wrong answers here yeah Yeah. (laughs) that is incorrect Uh, (laughs) i don't know thinking about the zolf wild thing it always shocks me there's there's a lot of me in wild but not in the relationship side there's just not it doesn't work Mm. like that there's a lot of me in Wilde's consideration of responsibility mm. and his responsibilities to other people and other people's responsibilities to each other. I'd say there's a little bit of an examination of that there, but I actually really struggle with the wild solve relationship in, again, making it work at my end because, again, wildly inexperienced and you, you were talking about love languages earlier, Helen. Zolf as a personality type relative to Alex, not relative to Wilde, It's quite alien to me. It's not something I have much personal connection with. I don't know. It's just that personality makeup is is not something that I I connect easily with. So as a result, I'd say that the the Wild Soft one's probably been a bit more work. That implies that it's just been like forcing it. And that's not the case. No, I think it happened very naturally. It requires a little bit more of a cerebral approach because I can't just rely entirely on instinct because I don't have good instincts with Zolf as a person, me, Alex, as a person. I can do the thing where it's like, what would Wild do? That's easy. I can just go, whoop, boom, don't, there we go. Wild is a coat that I can just put on and do. That's fine. But I have to do that with Zolf because I just never, on a personal level, seem to get an in with Zolf the way that I have with certain other characters. But specifically in terms of relationships, it's unusual, it's, it's peculiar. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that, like, when I, like, there is, it is on recording when I ask what, what's going on here? What is going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the moment that it was actually, as far as I know, is it was clarified. So you were both like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely deeper than just a friendship. That's like, the first time in Alex's life that the conversation, what's going on here? Yeah, we should probably, 
<laughs> yeah, because everything with me is like a, a formally instigated step-by-step <laughs> procedure. So as a result, that one was literally me on audio for the first time going, I have to have one of those conversations. I don't know what's, how does one do this? I would say, actually, um, sort of thinking about it a bit, is like the, the relationship side of things is probably the most difficult bit of um, playing Zolf because mm-hmm. like Zolf is, is sort of a, a reflection of basically my worst days. Sure, sure. Which is why I mean I said like that's why I kind of left in the like also not why I left but why I pulled Zolf out in the first place because I was like no this is getting a bit too much because effectively he's he's me on a black dog day all the damn time yeah Um, Yeah. because he he is a very depressed person Um, and so the romance because my automatic response when I'm feeling like that is to close in on myself and like not have any relationships as much as I can. then pushing for him to have a romantic relationship which i think is like is also like that evolution of my role play is also mirroring the fact like his evolution as a person and going like no i can't just isolate myself forever i have to forge connections with other people so i think like there there is an element there but it's like it is a conscious effort to put in the romance Mm. yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah it's not that it is a it works. It does work yeah, as yeah, a romance. Absolutely. It does. It like it, it, well. It, yeah, just as a relationship in general, the connection is there, yeah. and the chemistry for all of their odd sparring does exist. Yeah. It's just like like Ben says, it isn't it isn't effortless. But that's a lot of it is because Zolf is a character who is built behind walls and is constantly yeah. fighting against himself. Yeah, the drawbridge yeah. has to be manually lowered each time for that like connection yeah. to happen. Aww. And so that that's something I'm personally very aware of, but I didn't know whether it was just me, so that's good to hear. No, actually. no, and it's I mean it's one of the primary reasons with probably the Hamid Zolf like antagonisms is because it's that kind of thing and Hamid's very good at making him put his guard back up. Well, accidentally or no, opposite you know? Hammond's yeah. the exact opposite. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, Hammond is, is so constantly open. reaching for connection and yeah. broadcasting emotions and looking just to makes it have worse. some of it get reflected. <laughs> yeah. And it just doesn't... Him and Zolf are fundamentally uncompatible personalities, basically. <laughs> Which is really interesting yeah. in that element of relationships of also, like, having to work with somebody that you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why the Zolf Wild thing works as well, is that what Zolf, the, the strength of Zolf's like, way of doing that, though, is it allows Zolf to just sit there and weather the storm that is Wild's bullshit. <laughs> 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 Seriously, like, you can just take shelter behind those walls, let the actual nonsense blow past, and then a human, con- well, a, a, a person conversation can happen. It's the same thing from the other, the other way as well, is that Wild can weather Zolf Zolf's like foul moods and um sort of like barbs and like I don't know they're both very good at dealing with one another when they're difficult and then like allowing each other the time to open back up yeah that's a good way of putting it it's just it caught me by surprise yeah in a big way I was I wasn't I, mean, I don't plan anything. God, yeah, well, but, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't ready for that. I'll I mean, say. me too. I wasn't expecting it, and then it just mm. became apparent that that's that was the yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that um, is reflected in how Zolf and Wild are with each other. Because yeah. I think, like, as you roleplayed it, it was them suddenly becoming aware too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
I think there's a similar thing in in what became like. I mean, to me, it was almost unexpected the the depth of grief that Zolf had for Sasha and the mm. the connection between them, which was more of a like mentor parent kind yeah. of thing, but one based on mutual respect. So it's it's not it like. So parental mental figure doesn't quite work like that, but it was like the the fact that I think what she needed was like, I mean, I never, I, I never thought it was that clear. Like it, it just like the, I think Sasha found, uh, found Hamid a lot of work because yep. yeah, he's it, always broadcasting emotions and also like has, especially early on, I mean, he's moved on a lot from that, but especially early on, was less dissimilar than Bertie to oh, first yeah, glance. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Then like, yeah. like he has obviously changed a lot and revealed other sides of himself. But early on, well, and I, learnt as well. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. He was so naive about the world. Yeah, in the but early that's, days. that's their dynamic. Bertie's yeah. job was to sit there. They were both. To, they were both characters set set to start from a place of of uh, un, almost unchecked privilege, yeah. and then you have Bertie who was like, you know what I'm going to do. Double down forever, mm. and then you had Hamid was the opposite side of that coin examination. Mm. So it, it makes sense that yeah. that even factoring that in, yeah, that the connection with Sasha, with Sasha was never going to be simple. No, whereas like her connection with Zolf, it's almost like someone that was closed off in a way that she was, and like trauma, shared trauma. Mm. Uh, obviously, lots of battles together, shared competence, mm. and like. And then again with Grizzop, like saw both of them like keep coming back to yeah, to yeah. save and like the idea. I think it was that although there was like she had a lot of fun with Azu and obviously began to feel like she was skilling up in uh, comedy <laughs> yeah. when it came to Wild, and so was like <laughs> was able to make him laugh, and that was like a huge thing for her. That idea that like someone who seems closed off, but keeps coming back and is there for you was like mm. actually like I was I was almost when Zolf left the room were on the letter reading that was just absolutely the right response but when yeah. I saw that fan made cinematic or animatic yeah. of it and I was like oh that is just like somehow playing it in the moment you're kind of busy but seeing <laughs> it back I was just like oh gosh no it was it was all there like there was so mm-hmm. much depth and connection and like there's so much grief there um yeah. gosh he really is grief stricken isn't he oh just, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, I got, yeah. i've got to say that is one thing that i you know i'm kind of sad that we didn't get is mm. more of zolf and sasha's relationship yeah, yeah. seeing them i i yeah. can imagine it had more potential them. yeah well it also helps that like zolf reads as <laughs> for all of his faults zolf provided for Sasha what Sasha needed which is Zolf reads steadfast for mm. everything else Zolf reads very steadfast and that was the one thing that had been forever denied Sasha yeah yeah and I and and then like having possibly for Zolf having someone just like completely trust or like yep. to earn their trust over time um was like the kind of not rely on them but but to know that that person completely trusts you uh, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, every I think, previous I, think... sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say every previous relationship, Zolf had either mucked up uh, mm. by by killing them accidentally, or <laughs> or like consciously <laughs> broken off, which yeah. arguably he did again, mm. which is a regret 
for him. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I think Zolf would be a much softer person if uh, Sasha had still been around. Yes. Because yes, that would have been a forged connection that would have, would have weathered. It would have, like, mm. stuck it out. 100%. I think it would be a very different character. He would be uh, in a very different place if Sasha was still around. Oh. I agree. Absolutely. Oh. I think probably in a much better place. Oh, God, be yeah. No, absolutely. That was really... <laughs> like, that. Like him and Sasha's relationship was really, really good for him and is probably, important. like, why I decided to move him towards the Cleric of Hope sort of mm. avenue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, the heartrending. <laughs> yeah. I have another question here that we haven't... So there, there have been... Well, I don't want to move on from that one yet, Helen. Oh. I don't think you <laughs> right, go for it. have answered it, really. Yes. Um, so there's, I, oh. I think there's, one, there's one moment especially that stands out for me when you were talking about playing as you as a bisexual and yes. worried about despite being bisexual yourself, <laughs> being bad bisexual rep. And, you know, the question is about identity and experience and how yeah. it influences your own behaviour. And I think that, that to me, really stands out as a, as a moment relevant to this question. Yes, I forgot about me. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I always intended to play Azu as a bisexual because you don't get many black queer characters... Yeah. in general in media yeah. and like it's a standard that all of my characters i play in ttrpgs are black anyway it wasn't a choice that i made with like a whole like a a massive uh it wasn't in, in sort of bent terminology it wasn't a hill that i put my flag on <laughs> i was just like this is a thing that shall be accurate for my character and also because um God, I didn't know it at the time. I was like, this could go on for quite a while. I should play someone who is easy for me to play. <laughs> yeah. That's what they all the say, Helen. That's what they all <laughs> say in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, let me make her uh, similar to me in ways that are quite fundamental to myself. And sexuality is something that's fundamental to me. And I was interested in just popping that in there. Yeah, little yeah. bit of spice. Um. <laughs> Can I ask a question? So yes. much TikToks. Like this whole session, you've just been dropping TikTok sounds, <laughs> and you think you think we haven't noticed, but we have. No, I know you've noticed. What was that, Alex? So. I'll preface this with I never would have explored this because of the power dynamic and so on. But I'm curious: Did Azu crush on the idea of fair hands? in anything more than a professional ambition or not. No. And again, to be clear, I never would have examined that as a thing. <laughs> the power dynamic is whoa, far too problematic. But yeah, I'm just that curious. would be weird. No, for me, it was more of a, that is who I would like to be one mm. day. Understood. Um, that's mainly what that was. I've, I... I never even considered it before now, to be honest. But again, I'm, <laughs> I tend to be quite oblivious to these things. So I thought I'd ask. Yeah, that's my personal take on it. When I first started out, because the first thing that Azu does, really, is attempt to reach out physically to each of the people that she has suddenly met. Yeah. And I feel like that is very emblematic of her relationships with the LOLOMG, LOLOMG jet party <laughs> at the time. Like, Grizzop is sort of like, nope! <laughs> and Sasha's also like, like finally no. yes <laughs> someone who will hug me back and I thought in the back of my mind huh Hamid and Azu hmm <laughs> but I really like the friendship that we've built up between those two now I think they yeah. really get each other 
even when they disagree so much. Because there is a conversation that Azu wants to have at some point about those kobolds still. <laughs> but yeah. um, <laughs> it just hasn't ever seemed like a good time. And also, I think Azu is scared of having conversations that might be relationship ending mm. because relationships are very important to her. And I think that she sees all people as like people who I can have good relationships with or people who I can have no relationship with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if, so if you're not yeah. one, then you're going to get smited. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a very different arrival uh, for Azu in this scene, which is, oh, there's a sandstorm here, let me help you. No. Okay. Bang! (laughs) (laughs) Hug or smite. No in between. (laughs) Connecting up with that, one of the things, like, so Cell is non binary. Uh, I have in the past described my gender as a woman with uh, <laughs> with a question mark and an exclamation mark. I have performed a lot in drag and I very much wanted to play a character who is confidently non-binary as part mm. of a process of exploring and thinking about my gender. And like I kind of thought that playing them would be like a step towards coming out. And it was actually like a really weird, like it's complicated and people are complicated, but I kind of found that I didn't feel like that label worked completely for me. So like I, you know, I probably, I use she and they pronouns and yeah. And I often, yeah, it's anyway, like it's just for me, it has been very important to play that. It's almost like, yeah, Yeah, these characters always come from a part of myself but I do realise that there are a lot of things that I think about and get worried about because I am not a confidently out non-binary person. I am someone who is worried by their gender and has played with it in different forms and performed in different with different with different hats on. Yeah, well, with different hats on. <laughs> Bryn knows because I, I literally performed a whole Edinburgh fringe in drag as a Victorian gentleman yep, yep. with a top hat. So like yep. literally in in um different hats. Good times. Uh, <laughs> they were good times. So that that is something that sometimes like I worry about, but I I realize that that has always come from me wanting to explore and enjoy and discover this character mm. rather than like like I do you you worry of course about like playing a character and so taking on an identity that isn't exactly your own mm. so that that has been something that I agonized about once I realized that I wasn't going to be like confidently coming out in the same way but instead just mm. accepting that I live in the gray spaces and I'm working out what labels work for me but I, I really hate labels which means that it's hard <laughs> sure. to find a label that you like when you don't like any labels <laughs> you know how it is anyway yeah, rambling yeah. and we definitely shouldn't end the conversation on my rambling but the bit <laughs> of cell that is just a massive flirt uh, <laughs> and has a lot of relationships in the past that they some of which they treasure and some of which they regret absolutely is very me and feels very me um so So the bit that i have no tools to deal with and and flee in terror from is in fact the most true bit of you and yeah and it's the bit that like people sometimes slightly don't expect because it's like oh lid is awkward and a bit too loud and sometimes a bit not understanding faces or things but it's also 
a flirt, um, which is wonderful when you have face blindness and a lot of problems with like reading emotions. When like I've literally like <laughs> flirted with someone one night and had like, oh yeah, this is going somewhere probably, and then been introduced to them in another context the next day and not realised who they are and just be like, oh hey, <laughs> with a slight like, oh you're cute, and then like seen their face fold and they're like, but we met last night and I'm like, D- what? Um, okay, I don't recall. And then I literally need to like explain that, like, that has happened to me. Mm. <laughs> so that's the like navigating the world as essentially a charisma minus one flirt. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really like the idea that Sailor's had the exact same kind of experiences and that, yeah, <laughs> that they're still enjoying the world of flirting and romance despite that. Yeah. Uh, or because of, because, you know, <laughs> it, it makes for good stories. It yeah. does. And I want to leap on there because I, I, did, I just realized I didn't actually answer, I didn't actually address what you said, Bryn, which was, yeah, there were definitely points where I was like, is is Azu good by rep? Am I am I doing bisexuality properly? Aww. But um, the answer to that is also what I'd say to you, Lid, which is there is no one way of being yeah. non-binary yeah. or gender fluid or anything like that. Mm. Just like there's no one way of being bisexual either. Yeah. Or any sexuality or gender, really. So I am a lot calmer about it now. <laughs> good. But- <laughs> Thank you. Um, I will say that Azu is a lot... Uh, how how can I put lot what well, naturally a lot less complicated than my real life and my real experiences. <laughs> Lid, you especially will know. Azu has had a much nicer time <laughs> than me. <laughs> oh my baby! Oh, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. I know. I am actually oh. like after like a year of being inside. I am a lot more comfortable with being alone. Like I'm not. I'm barely lonely anymore. But, mm. like, Azu, I think, would not deal well with this situation. <laughs> Can you imagine the calisthenics that she'd be? <laughs> so Azu cool. would rise to the challenge once it was seen as something to overcome. Yeah, she probably would. Okay, we're, we're over time. There were still a couple of questions that we went to ask, but we are limited by... Our podcast. Do you want to do a, qu- a quick fire? Do we have some quick fire, or are they really nuanced, complicated <laughs> questions? <laughs> all like, yeah. Define quick gender. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. No. Answer. How mm. do um, does fan art and fanfic influence role playing choices? My answer is slightly because occasionally I'm like, oh, it can be read like that. That's interesting. Let me keep <laughs> That's that in mind. Not a yes. No. Answer. <laughs> yes. You're correct. Sorry. <laughs> One sentence answers then. <laughs> I think I try really hard not to let that sort of stuff influence how I play because I have a quite a clear conception of a character in my head and I want to keep playing them according to that. So I would say I try not to, but I think it's inevitable that if you see people reading it a certain way, mm. it will affect it to some degree, just in a kind of, you know, the observer affects the observed effect. But yeah. I'd say mostly Because of no. quantum. Yeah, yeah. mostly no. Except no. Quantum. <laughs> no except quantum. Great, love it, yes. Ben, I think I know your answer, but what is it? Uh, no, but it's cool that they exist. Yeah. Yeah, seconded. I'd say no, except for there are a couple of people that draw draw cell really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Like like genuinely, like people will know who they are. But I actually genuinely have to like make an effort to be like that. 
I'm not going to go into this thinking of selling that frame. <laughs> like, even if they are that hot, they don't see themselves that way. So, like, you know, they think they think they're hot. They just don't think they're as hot as I mean, drawn in drawings, which is like hot, hot. Um, and so, you know, I'm getting all flustered, but uh, mostly no. Yeah. And so Alex? Good. Uh, no, because it's my job to reflect and provide for you as players. I can't oh. do that for the whole world. Mm. Yeah. Wow. How wow. The, that is a okay, sh- yeah, fine, short and thoughtful fine. answer, eh? Just yeah. putting us to shame. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. He still Deep has thinker. things to teach us. <laughs> <laughs> well... Don't, 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 don't conflate a short answer with a profound one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, too late. We already have. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> well, on that lovely note, uh, I don't know where this is going to come in the recording schedule. So um, we're going to say bye. After the and endless I- season. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for finally addressing that on record, Alex. <laughs> we are at least in season six and you refuse look seasons seasons are a construct that i i lie about to make people enjoy them more but let's be honest here this is this is what it is just just go with it it's fine oh there's so much more we could say though there's so much more we could talk about let's do a whole nother one just examine forensically one by one every pair Yeah. Within every combination of the party, <laughs> I would be actually totally up for that. We might, <laughs> we might, we might genuinely have to do maybe some like one-on-one deep dives, like yeah. Yeah. a series of deep dives with individual mm-hmm. people. That'd be cool. Yeah, write that down, April. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm not as good as leading us all to an outro as Alex is, so I'm. Gonna oh, yeah, know, I'm have just, you heard Alex's outro to the main so show? Flawless. <laughs> It's all right, we'll awkwardly trail off and then shout bye, and it will basically by like any episode, you know. Look, it's become a style point of this. <laughs> bye! <laughs> yes! Yes! Well played! Oh. Perfect. Oh, beautiful. Very nicely done. Oh, God, you are better at this than I am, Helen. <laughs> Rusty Quill Gaming is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was directed by Alexander J. Newell and produced by Hannah Preisinger. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us via mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our community on the Discord or via Reddit at r slash RustyQuill. Thanks for listening. everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. 
Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later.